Hey, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Check Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintram. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, let's jump right in. Uh, a lot of news this week. Well, the news in the EV community. We're going to start with Tesla. We're going to start with the same thing we did last week, which I know uh, it's it's and next of, week too. <laughs> maybe next week too, depending on what we get our hands on. I know it's uh, it might sound like smaller news, but I mean everything points to this being the most popular thing right now. Everyone is tracking the Tesla Cybertruck extremely closely. Uh, arguably, the the biggest vehicle program of the year, new vehicle program launching this year. Uh, so yeah, we are keeping a close eye on it, and every new prototype that is spotted, new beta prototype, which much closer to the production version coming out, is uh, is an event really. <laughs> so last week was the first time we spotted a beta prototype, and it was only from the back side of it though, and uh, or in the side a little bit. This time we have a front view of a beta prototype for the first time. We we still think it's a beta prototype based on. Um, well, the general quality of it looks a little bit sharper than uh, what we've seen in previous prototypes. But the main thing is these new mirrors here that you see. So these triangular mirrors that now Elon has confirmed are going to be removable. Um, they are um, the main indicator that this is a beta prototype. So the main thing, and this picture has come uh, courtesy of Mr. Gregor Truck, Greg on, uh, on Twitter. And yeah, the, the main thing is the front look at the vehicle here and it's in broad daylight too so we get a good view there, there might be some distortion to this picture to be to be fair like it's not the, it, it looks a bit weird to a degree it looks a little um, shorter yeah shorter but again it might be just picture distortion like uh, sh not as much glam currents maybe but again it, the picture seems to be taken from fairly close in a fairly high uh, viewpoint, so that might change the look of it too. The main thing you're going to see is that windshield is just massive, 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 massive. And with that comes a massive uh, uh, windshield wiper because Tesla seems to be sticking to a single windshield wiper. And obviously the most strange thing about this windshield wiper is that it's completely not hidden. Like it's its resting position appears to be on the side pillar on the side of the wind, the windshield rather than tucked underneath the hood because the hood is flush with the windshield, which I would assume is uh, something that is going to help with aerodynamic performance. Uh, but that giant monstrous windshield wiper was on previous prototypes before and uh, Tesla, uh, not Tesla, but Elon specifically said that that won't be the one in production. But now we have a better prototype and it, it's, as far as I can tell, the same uh, exact same windshield wiper as the one that we saw before. So, and of course, Elon has not made new comment on it, but I would assume for now we we need to assume that that's probably what's going to make it to production. Um, but yeah, the interesting part is the resting position clearly visible, and I have to assume here is because the connection between the hood and the windshield, I, as far as I can tell, is basically flush. Yeah, and it doesn't look good at all. Like, uh, I wonder if that would be removable. Like, you know, it's a sunny day. You just put it in the... Oh, yeah. Do you think the thing is going to have a frunk? From this angle, it kind of looks like it will. Uh, yeah. I mean, if even just the, the fact that it's so flush, like, that, I mean, it's still possible, but it would be a short one. It would be a fairly short one. Yeah. Uh, and it has a front motor, obviously, so that takes up some space in the front. We know that Tesla's dual motors uh, vehicle don't have as big as a front trunk. 
That's right. Yeah. It, so it, yeah. Go also, ahead. also, the front is a little bit different, right? The uh, the angles on the the front of the vehicle. Yeah, I mean, uh, something that I noticed is like the the space between the light bar. I mean, it looks like Tesla is really sticking to those like unconventional headlights that are integrated into this continuous light bar from one side to the other. We've seen some automakers adopt like a full size light bar, but they still have um, regular headlights in between that uh, on each side of that light bar. That's not the case anymore, as far as we can tell. And I think there's like a little bit more space between the light bar and uh, where, where the hood starts. Might be just me. Then there's a second light bar at the bottom where I think those are the, the blinkers on, on each side and then the, the fog lights. Um, to me, it looks pretty good, but I, I'm really I'm really curious to see like when Tesla actually brings that truck to regulators, like what they're going to say about it because there's a lot of unconventional things there that, and there's a lot of weird laws or, or regulation in the automotive business that uh, stops you from doing just simple things sometimes so it would be interesting to like once it's gonna be a big day once that thing is clear from regulators uh, i think some uh the the small update to the bumper too like would, which appears to have like some kind of grill and a, a lighting system underneath it uh, so i'm not sure what this is about yeah probably from for cooling the uh the batteries and the yeah and the, gr the grill most I, wonder, I wonder how this thing is going to crash test as well, because uh, stainless steel is quite a bit different than uh, the steel that is used in most vehicles. Um, I think it's more rigid. It doesn't kind of uh, bend back like it has memory uh, or more memory than regular steel. I mean, I wonder if that's going to be a concern. You know, I don't know how well the DeLorean was crash tested, but. Yeah, I a good question. Never looked that's into that. Go here. Yeah, and we should look into that if there's any wrecked DeLoreans out there. Mm -hmm. See what happens with the steel. Also, like the repairability of the of the truck is going to be a big deal too. Like how? Uh, I mean, we we now know at least that it looks like most of it is actual body panels, even though they call it an exoskeleton. It looks like you, you could probably remove them and and, and repair them. But uh, like that windshield, <laughs> just, I mean, it's not, uh, I assume it's not as bad as the Model X windshield too, which uh, wasn't, I mean, was not cheap to replace, but not extremely expensive for a premium vehicle of that uh, price range either. So, uh, and, and this one is actually flat, like it's a straight windshield. So it's actually yeah, maybe be, it's cheap. Yeah. And we reported recently on uh, Tesla, like developing some new glass, uh, some new type of glass that's more malleable for, for, for that windshield. So. Uh, and going back, going back to the wiper where we started, um, mm -hmm. Tesla does have some patents for like laser uh, windshield wiper stuff. We're going Possible. there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going there. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I would be shocked if that makes it to the Cybertruck. But where the laser is, like the the hood is 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 flush with the windshield. Like where yeah. would you put the lasers? No idea. Maybe yeah. inside. Who knows. And we, um, we, I need I need a, a, a like a real live demonstration of that technology because before I can put my seal of approval on this. Right. I, no. I mean, we've seen the pattern. The pattern is pretty straightforward. Like they're literally shooting lasers at windshield. I mean, right. they said that the technology was also could be used for like uh, cleaning solar uh, roofs. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when are we going to be putting lasers on uh, self-driving vehicles? It's going to be a quite a day when that happens but yeah so that's the latest progress on the cyber truck looking at the cyber truck production because we're getting closer like we are mid uh, uh 
uh, basically mid-February. Now we're just months away from the planned start of production. Uh, so like every prototype that we see from now uh, until then is going to be like pretty, pretty damn close to a production uh, vehicle, pre-production vehicle, like a production unit. If you guys uh, see one out there, please make sure to send the, Send us pictures that we always like look at any kind of uh, potential details that we can get. I like the wheels on this one too. Uh, the wheels are pretty. Uh, yeah, much better. Yeah, and more traditional a little bit. All right. Uh, the other thing that was spotted last weekend with the Cybertruck was a new video that pops up that uh, show. I think it's a, or a little bit older video, but it shows uh, we've never seen it before, and it shows the. Uh, Four wheel steering or rear rear wheel steering uh, capability of the Cybertruck. I don't know if I click this. It's gonna okay on the sound. So if you keep a close eye on that rear wheel, you can see it right there going inside a little bit, which normally is not the case uh, for regular steering. Again, you're gonna see on that turn, and it's hard to tell exactly that just how much sharper of a turn it is, but you can clearly see that the, the rear wheel steering right there, like very obvious. Um, so the idea is like you can get a little bit of a sharper turning radius with this. Um, of course, we've seen also like other feet, other automakers that have, that have used the technology on their electric trucks, like GM with the GMC Hummer and yeah. um, and Rivian. Well, no, Rivian actually doesn't have rear steering. Does it? It's just like no. it's just the torque thing they have. Yeah, but they have I, that. But they have the tank turn with it. But obviously, like you could do that even easier with rear steering too. And GMC yeah. is the crab mode that they get. Like you can literally like move diagonally. Go diagonally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I uh, be... I, I got yeah. to play with the Hummer and the all-wheel steering, and it is it is a total game changer for the uh, turning radius because mm -hmm. this is you know the Hummer is like one of the biggest vehicles ever it's made, huge, yeah. And you know you could turn it almost like in a, a a radius like not much bigger than the truck itself. Um, the crab mode that's kind of a you know a gimmick like uh, you know you need to go diagonal. I guess a few times in the world, and and also you have to like you know punch a few buttons to get it to do that. Oh, okay. it's not it's not something you would just you know break out in the middle of uh, you know, regular driving, but I but for real the uh, the four wheel steering is pretty amazing, and Mercedes also has that on the uh, oh, that's EQS. Right. Yeah, it's not just the trucks. Yep, there's no reason why you, you would make it just on a truck, but obviously it is a little bit more useful when you have a bigger vehicle just for to get that tighter turning radius. Uh, without making any change to the actual chassis of the truck. Um, so yeah, this is the first, the best, the best look we get from it. And also, you get to see the those uh, headlights here in action. Like, uh, looks like the fog lights and the the light bar produce some significant lights here. It's not uh, mm -hmm. like you, you can see where uh, while they are willing to forego the regular headlights for 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 that because. Uh, Seems to work. Obviously, we would need to see it in action on a dark day, then, but uh, still having with the new stream yard, having some issues backing away from uh, post. Might have to stop sharing for a second to do it. I'm not sure what this is about, hmm. but we're going to be right back in in a second. Are you on Windows or Mac? I'm on Mac right now. Hmm. All right, some a little bit more pricing adjustment from uh, from Tesla here. Uh, <laughs> we've been talking a lot about Tesla pricing, obviously, since the big um, price cuts uh, last month. 
but they they kept adjusting the price a little bit and uh, we talked about like the uh, $500 increase on the model Y prices a few weeks ago now uh, Tesla has adjusted model Y up and model 3 down a tiny bit this week so that's um uh, 15 whoop uh, Yeah, $1,000 increase in the Model Y price, the base one. Uh, well, the base one in the U.S. at least, the long-range version. Because, well, not even <laughs> the base one that you can configure in the U.S. Uh, because obviously you have the standard range with 4680 cell, but that's not configurable. But Tesla does have some in inventory if you want to buy that. Um, but uh, yeah, that's so $1,000 increase, which adds up to a $1,500 increase since the big price drops. Uh, and of course, that was a $13,000 price adjustment on the model long range last time. So it adds up basically to uh, $1,500 uh, $12, uh, reduction versus the price last year before the tax credit. Uh, so you, you almost get a $20,000 difference now versus last year, other than December, because of course, Tesla offered their own discount in December. <laughs> Uh, the Model 3, though, got a little uh, price increase, uh, uh, price uh, decrease of, of uh, $500, so very small price decrease. It now starts at uh, 43500 That's for the base version, so the standard range with rear-wheel drive. Uh, Long-range version, still not available to order. Um, of course, Tesla removed it last year, claiming that there were just too many orders for it, and they had to... Um, just temper it by, by, by removing the capability to order it again. However, now that we get closer to the Model 3 refresh, I think it has more to do with that than anything else. Right now, it's just it's not worth, uh, not worth reopening orders if they have about to shut down the production line for a bit and, uh, and uh, update it with the, what they call the Project Highland. But yeah, a little bit of a price uh, adjustment from Tesla this week. Yeah, and uh, we are wondering if that's a price uh, drop ahead of the upgrade that we've seen a few times. The uh, the the Model Threes with the uh, front and back covered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at five hundred dollars, we cannot say much. I mean, it would make sense that Tesla has some issues, some more issues. I think Model Three right now has the knowledge about the new update comes, but that's also true of probably any vehicle from Tesla right now because of hardware four. A lot of people are waiting for that too. So um, Tesla is in a weird situation. But I just, like in the U.S., it's different, obviously, because there's also some urgency from potentially a change in the in the uh, tax credit in the U.S. But again, it's such a strange situation because it obviously doesn't apply to everyone. Right. A lot of new car buyers don't even have access to that because they make more than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a strange situation, but it, it does affect everyone differently. Yep. Uh, we got the numbers from, uh, California this week for the full year 2022 and Tesla had a record performance. It's just, it's, uh, it's hard to overstate just how much of an impact the California market has on Tesla in the U S Tesla, like almost, I think half of Tesla sales in 2022 came from the U S and uh, then almost half of those sales came from California. So huge market from Tesla. 
uh, and uh, they, 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 blew, they blew things away this quarter with, uh, not this quarter, sorry, in 2022, with Model Y and Model 3 in that order coming in first and second uh, for the best-selling vehicles, period. Um, so Model Y came in first, too, for best-selling light trucks, they call it, which is, I think, California consider everything that an SUV or, or a pickup truck, uh, a light truck, so that beat the RAV4 from Toyota, be the all the F series put together, like that's that's huge. Yep. Um, Eighty-seven thousand Model Y in California last year. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Yeah, it's huge. It's massive. Um, then the Model Three came in at seventy, almost seventy-nine thousand units. Also beating the Camry, beating the Corolla, beating the Honda Accord, beating the Honda Accord and the Honda Civic put together. Like historically, like best-selling cars. But together, they beat them uh, with a 15% market share in the passenger car. So that includes everything that's not a pickup truck or an SUV. Yeah, and again, not even close. Not even close. Uh, I mean, look at this. Look at the... Obviously, this this is not just because Tesla had a massive growth uh, last year in California and everywhere, really. Uh, but the market has been going down. Like the, the EV market, not the, the car market, the automotive market in general has been... I have an issue recovering in every sector other than EVs. And you see, I mean, everything else is lower, maybe not Mercedes and Kia. Obviously, those are fairly high volume brands, but Genesis is low volume, Cadillac is low volume. The Tesla is the only one with a massive, like a significant increase with 44% increase in sales in California last year uh, versus most other brand in the negative, including some like big brand, luxury brand like uh, Audi and uh, Lexus uh, getting this t- two-digit decrease. Uh, that, that's, that's significant. Um, yeah, I mean, automakers should look at that chart and, and, that chart and, and also the, the Model 3, Model Y number and see if they want to get out of that funk here, the, those declining cells, you have to have compelling electric vehicle available in volumes. And you just you just don't see that right now from any other automakers. It's just the volume is not there yet. Um, you, you start seeing a little bit more of it, but like with the ID four, with the Mac key, and things like that. But it's nowhere near Tesla's numbers just yet. Um, moving on, uh, especially now that we are talking about scale. So. Elon confirmed that his master plan part three, which he's been talking about for like over a year now, is uh, going to be fully unveiled at this investor day. So, so far, the main thing that's been attached to investor day has been the new vehicle platform thing. That's probably going to be the main show. But other than that, the event has been like unclear, like what's an investor day like Tesla has had the AI day has been pretty clear, the battery day. Uh, but investor day sounds a lot like the shareholders annual meeting, <laughs> which uh, is generally in the summer. But uh, now Tesla March 1st as this new thing called investor day they've been talking about for a few months. And Elon now linked it to the master plan part three. So it clarified basically what the event's going to be about. Because we know what the master plan part three is going to be about. It's going to be about scale. It's going to be a how Tesla achieve this scale of 20 million vehicles per year by the end of the decade, uh, 2030. So we're talking about, obviously, new gigafactories, both on the vehicle side, both on the battery side of things. 
we're talking about uh, deeper involvement in the supply chain, all the way down to the battery materials and um, and everything that comes with it from the refining. Possibly the mining, though Tesla has been uh, seems a bit reticent at actually getting itself into mining. Um, but but now I think that things are getting a little bit more exciting right now in, in that space with uh, um, Tesla's competitor getting a little bit more into into deeper into that space. Mainly GM. I think I think we're seeing an interesting thing with GM now that might be actually pushing Tesla for a long time. Like Tesla had the clear lead in terms of securing battery cells and down the supply chain. Early partnership with Panasonic being a big part of that, obviously. That then getting deeper with other automake, uh, other battery cell manufacturers too, and companies like Glencore, Vail, and whatnot. Now you have uh, here at the Battery Valley in Quebec that I've been talking a lot about because it's going to be the biggest hub in North America in terms of uh, battery material, uh, cathode, anode, and lithium refining and all that. Uh, GM has basically bought out like most of the capacity from that already, even though it's still getting built right now. They already have deal with POSCO there, with Livent, uh, Nemaska, Lithium there. Um, uh, there's a uh, Nouveau Monde Graphite there that's building anode capacity. Like there's, they are buying out everything there. And now there's been rumors that came out this week that GM is even thinking about buying a stake in Vail. Uh, and Vail is... Tesla's number one nickel partner, nickel producer, and nickel mining producer. And so that that would probably that probably uh, lit a fire under Tesla. If those rumors <laughs> are true, uh, maybe now they're going to be thinking more about getting involved into uh, the mining side of things. Which which Elon has said it, 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 they're not against it, but uh, there, there seems to be like something missing for for Tesla to actually get involved because it's a it's a brand new business for Tesla. But it led me to uh, look into this here because uh, we're talking about scale. And uh, there's this chart here from the Tesla's earnings uh, the, the week prior. And um, it's a very impressive chart. It looks at Tesla ESPs, this average sales price per vehicle. And it went down literally by a half since 2017 uh, versus uh, 2022 on average. Despite actually going up from 2021 to 22 a little bit because we, we've talked about Tesla's pricing being raised a lot in 2022. Now, of course, going down in 2023, and I would assume that the price is going to be um, down quite a bit in 2023. While the operating margins going up, so very impressive. But now looking into the future, that's, Tesla might have to almost replicate that again over maybe not five years, but pretty close to five years, and in the, in the five, five to ten years for sure. And, um, and it's hard to imagine Tesla going down now from an average of, uh, it looks like 57,000 uh, ASP, uh, cutting that in half, so between 25 and 30,000 uh, ASP. That's, uh, that would be extremely hard to do. But when you look at the numbers, and that's what I did there, is that it's basically inevitable that they're going to have to do that to get to 20 million units a year because 20 million units a year is is huge it's like 20 percent of the of the auto industry that they want to home it's massive so as you go down you need to go down market for that because tesla right now is at the capacity of around 2 million units with four models um 
I think they have the opportunity to go up to about 3 million units with those four models, though they're going to have to introduce like lower price version of those models, especially the Model Y. Like the Model Y in China starts at $40,000, even less than that. Uh, so if we had something like that in the U.S., obviously, uh, would be a, a massive difference. Uh, so I think you can still, you, you can ramp up those four um, models to around 3 million units with a little bit lower price ones in the Model 3 and especially Model Y. Uh, but after that, okay, what do you get? Okay, you get this hybrid truck. Uh, if you are looking at it up, uh, like... Best case scenario, basically, I think for the cyber truck would be 2 million units a year with a bunch of different trims. Again, a bunch of different trims, 2 million units a year. And that would uh, probably get your average sale price up a little bit, but not that much. Uh, again, because uh, you would need to have a base version at $40,000, basically, and then an average sale price of probably like 55. So basically what Tesla has right now. Uh, so to get 2 million again, I know that there's going to be a 70,000, 80,000 version of the Cybertruck, but I think that at 2 million volume a year, those are not the most popular trims. That's just obvious looking at, uh, current pickup truck prices, historically pickup, historic pickup truck prices, because, uh, 2022, 2021 was uh, pretty insane for pickup truck prices. I don't think that's sustainable long-term. So yeah, then, uh, you, you're now at 5 million units a year. Uh, how do you get from that to 15 million units a year? And all the other models, obviously, we don't even know about exactly from Tesla. Uh, I think you have to go down market with it and a lot down market. So you're going to have to bring that ASP down significantly uh, to get that 15 million extra units. And I think that's what um, the investor is going to be about. It's going to be about the Tesla third generation platform, uh, which is going to be um, cheaper more uh, manufacturability to achieve scale and to offer probably a, a plurality of new models at different price range. So I think you can get something like just a little bit like a um, smaller than the Model 3, maybe an, uh, with an hatchback and uh, maybe something more like a bowl TV size thing that's closer to $25,000, maybe like $30,000, $25,000 around that, that range. And that can achieve I think uh, a lot of scale, but then, uh, but but then you can probably have a compact vehicle too, that's closer to the twenty-five, like no more than twenty-five thousand dollar range, and that's probably where Tesla's going to get a lot of its volume, like uh, several, several, several millions. Uh, I think would make sense, and that will bring you closer to twenty million. But it's still hard to imagine that fifteen million. Like, how do you fill up that fifteen million units extra a year? Uh, people have mentioned the Tesla Semi, like the Roadster. What about those ones? Like, those are going to be like, like fairly low volume compared to everything else we can talk, we'll talk about. It's not. It's going to be like a drop in the bucket of that fifteen million bar, bucket units. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Have any? Input yeah, on I mean, that? you kind of just just basically multiply everything by ten. You know, you sell uh, uh, 1.3 million cars this year, and you want to sell 20 million in a few years. You got to multiply, multiply yeah, your yeah. Model, Model Y, 10X, Model Three, yeah. yeah, by 10x, and then throw in, yeah. I mean the <clears throat> the model, whatever the the bolt sized uh, Tesla that will may or may not have a steering wheel, and may or may not have, you know 
may not drive itself. Um, that theoretically could count for a lot of vehicles, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Uh, Cybertruck is going up against uh, Ford F one fifty. They sell millions of those, um, so maybe Tesla thinks it's going to capture a lot of that. Well, I did put space. two million in uh, Cybertruck in my estimate. That's a that's right. a lot. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it seems daunting to to multiply ten x even though they've doubled almost every year, not doubled, but pretty close to doubling. And, uh, you know, when you double every year, you only have to do that a few times to get to big numbers. So, uh, they definitely can do it. I just don't know if everybody else is just going to let it happen or maybe they get their, you know, (laughs) their electric vehicle, uh, uh, programs, uh, up to speed and, and, don't let Tesla take all that market share. Who knows? Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, well, but that's all the uh, the investor is going to be about. I think that's going to be the focus on like what can Tesla achieve with that third generation platform, which obviously is going to involve most likely the forty six eighty cells with structural battery pack and a more a larger casting capability, all put together uh, for again easier manufacturability and lower cost. That's going to be the, the big thing. But then we'll see if Tesla, like, what can they do with that now? All right, uh, moving on from the vehicles, uh, but still staying with Tesla. Um, they started sending out their payments for the virtual power plant in California uh, and other markets, too. Uh, but obviously, the California one is the, the bigger one. And uh, you get some interesting payouts there. Uh, with uh, uh, Actually, the highest one I saw when I wrote this article was $575, but someone else reached out today saying that uh, they got $700. Wow. Uh, so that's a lot. Um, couldn't confirm how many power walls they have, though. I would assume maybe more than this person. We had three. And uh, people are like freaking out. Yeah, you need to have three power walls. Like most installations these days are more than one power walls. Like you have a few single power wall installations, but most houses uh, have more than one because uh, it, it, it just makes sense. Like personally, uh, you see here in the back, I have uh, yeah, <laughs> two of them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think you have two or like, yeah, you have four total, but two house, yeah. two, two per house. So, yeah, most, I would assume that most houses are like two or three actually, uh, rather than just one. But yeah, 75, uh, $575. And that's for, uh, so that's not originally launched the virtual power print in 2021, but that was without compensation. That was just like a test run. The, Actual virtual power plant in California with compensation started in the summer of 2022. So that's just half a year. Uh, obviously, I think the summer is the biggest consumption consumption yeah. in California because of AC and whatnot. But still, um, with for a full year, you could you could see something closer to like uh, people getting a lot of people getting five hundred to maybe a thousand dollars because most of the most of the payouts I've seen are in the three hundreds and four hundred dollars. But yeah, one guy got seven hundred. So it's pretty good. Uh, and so Tesla said it's for California emergency load reduction, but it's basically they have events. And in the case of this person that got uh, $575, that was uh, 10 events over 26 hours total uh, for delivering 297 kilowatt hours to the grid. Uh, so that's a pretty good payout per kilowatt hour here. Um, you get almost like $2 per kilowatt hour. That's, yeah, that's, that's a huge. lot. 
I mean, I pay nine cents per kilowatt hour here. So if I could get those kind of pricing, I would be a, I would make a gunny. Uh, but yeah, so I think this this is uh, this is going to be the future because they're going to have a big impact. Like if you can remove five hundred to a thousand dollars off your cost of your Powerwall installation over a year. Again, if you combine with solar, it's even a bigger deal. Most of the time, it is combined with solar. Uh, like over eight years, you get you, you get between four and, and eight thousand uh, dollars when you combine that to uh, time of use uh, savings that you can get. Uh, you, Powerwall can pay itself in just a few years. It's nice. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw, but uh, the guy, the redditor, uh, was like, "Hey, you put you posted my post on Reddit. Mm-hmm. I read Electric all the time." Um, so he, you know, linked to his YouTube channel where he's got a bunch of uh, yeah, we have the stuff link on his there. power Powerwall stuff. Um, right there. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Tesla would do leasing programs for people in high. Um, you know, like like in California, where there's like really high demand charges. You know, just because they know people would be there, I, I it it would almost make sense for people who can get like a thousand dollars per year, just give them free power walls and just have them sit in their house, and uh, you know, if they can get a thousand dollars per year, not maybe not free, but like very inexpensive power walls because you know Tesla could just reap that that money and that energy and people, they, people there would probably not even notice, you know, I guess it's, yeah, kind of I mean, it's similar to what, does. uh, your, your, uh, does in Vermont. And I think yeah. also Tesla's a uh, virtual power plant in Australia also has that they have a program where, where it makes the most sense. They basically give the people power walls and, and, and they just hone part of the capacity. Uh, so part of the capacity is for the homeowner to do, Backup power, time of use, um, t- time of use savings, and then the other part is for that um, that electric utility to to use at will when they need to. So there's there's a lot. There's so many things you can do with that. Like these distributed energy assets are such a game changer, and it's such a small part of the market right now. That's why, like for years, a lot of people, even myself, I was like, yeah, like when Elon says that their energy business is going to be as big as the automotive business, or And he, still today, when you look at the revenue uh, breakdown between Tesla's automotive and energy business, it's it's hard to imagine. But just saying this kind of impact, like the, the economical advantage of that, like I'm saying, oh, I can see it start to pick up and obviously yeah. tesla is the mega pack like i think you're gonna see tesla building like um power like like the mega factory they have for the mega packs i wouldn't be surprised to see tesla do the same for just a power wall factory like that yeah and, and and it's interesting because tesla is like rushing to get to scale on that stuff because they know that just like with cars like they know what's coming you know like everybody's going to want these huge batteries everywhere so Tesla's, you know, rushing out to make this huge uh, factory and and bring it to scale. Meanwhile, everybody else is kind of waiting to see, like, well, let's see what happens to the market. Let's, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, again, Tesla's going to be in a really good position uh, in a few years when that market becomes more mature. Agreed. All right. We have a few non-Tesla news items I want to get into in the next few minutes. But before that, I just want to remind you that we are live on all platform right now. So if you guys have any questions for us, 
uh, either about the subject that we are discussing today, I already discussed or about to, you see in the show notes right now. You can uh, ask us a question in the comment section right now, or if you just have uh, uh, other subjects about the EV space or the energy space that you want to discuss with us uh, live, you can do so too in the comment section on Facebook or YouTube or even LinkedIn too. Yeah, we get the comments from LinkedIn too. All right, uh, the eSprinter 2024 has been fully unveiled and uh, it met our expectations. So the original eSprinter, the electric version of uh, Mercedes-Benz popular van uh, was uh, released in 2019, but we were uh, less than impressed to say, to say the least uh, with basically like just over 100 kilometers of range on it. It just wasn't... There was it wasn't really practical other than maybe for like some delivery or city option like some some city some city delivery services and things like that that maybe that makes sense uh, but other than that like it was just we didn't see a large uh, use a lot of use cases for it but uh, last year we did see them testing a new version of the eSprinter with a much longer range it seems to be around 500 300 500 kilometers about 300 miles. So this week, Mercedes unveiled the official 2024 eSprinter and uh, confirmed that it comes with three by track options, uh, 56 kilowatt hour, 81 kilowatt hour, and 113 kilowatt hours. So the last two are new, 81 and 113. Uh, and yeah, the 113 should give you close to 300 miles of range, um, depending again on, on, on maybe the EPA is going to be a little bit lower than that. Uh, probably a little bit lower than that, but uh, but still, it's a big upgrade that makes it actually usable for a lot more use cases, including maybe a little uh, van life, a little like camper version would be nice. Oh man, um, we've been we've been jonesing for one of those. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do with it, like because you can also get the uh, just the uh, bed version of it, and you can build anything on the back, or you can get the enclosed van version. There's a lot of things you can do with it. Um, Two electric motors uh, option, 100 and 150 kilowatt peak output, so nothing too crazy, but you you don't really need that for a van anyway. Uh, the charge rate is capped at 115 kilowatts. That's kind of mm. low for for any electric vehicle launching in 20, uh, 2023. It's a 2024 model year, but it's it's coming this year. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what's the limitation on that, why they cannot just go higher. Like, it's... Uh, because especially if you want to get some range out of it, like it's nice to be able to charge a little bit faster. Uh, but they're also investing a lot in the production of it. So $50 million in three fact each factory where it's going to be produced, Charleston, Dusseldorf, and Ludwigsfeld, uh, all getting $50 million each to uh, produce a new version. And yeah, you heard that right, Charleston. So that means it is going to be produced in the U.S. and it's going to come to the U.S. and Canada because the 100 kilometers version <laughs> never made it here. Uh, so now we're going to get North America is going to get the East printer, and uh, so that's going to be the one of the rare ones that the consumer is going to be able to buy. So that's going to be nice because obviously the fleet is the main target here, but a lot of those electric vans uh, that are available on, on on the market right now are are, are just going to fleets are not consumer available so we're looking forward to that to, to change with uh, starting with the well not starting and there's a, there's a few other options like the transit uh, for transit e-transit e-transit yeah, yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see these two vehicles up against each other the e-transit mm -hmm. and the sky yeah. um 
yeah, I think Ford is going to release a, a higher mileage version of the e-transit in the next couple of months because, you know, right now they're at, at a low hundred something miles. Um, and obviously, you know, they, 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 they will say, uh, well, you know, we know what our people drive and these delivery vans only do like 120 miles a, a day. So that hits 80% of our market. But you really just want to have a lot more mileage. Yeah, you, you do... need some wiggle room in there. Right. Cold. Some... Yeah. Weird things. <laughs> Cold is also a bigger impact. All right. The, this I included because um, it was actually asked on the podcast last week. So I went and, and looked into it. Uh, people were asking us about Alpha Motor and um, them raising some money. So I did a little bit of digging here and... Um, and yeah, uh, it's basically a, a warning uh, that uh, I would be very careful investing in. Well, I would be careful investing in any EV startup, I think, uh, including the ones that are in the public market, obviously. But especially the ones that are doing crowdfunding. And we were just in the newsroom, and actually we were just talking about uh, uh, Aptera, uh, which Aptera, I, I would still be super careful investing in them. And I, I'm, I have a healthy skepticism about them. But at the very least, Aptera is not actually bringing a car to market. It's bringing a trike to market, a lot fewer regulations about it, a lot lower cost of like capital expenditure to bring to production. But still, careful. I would be careful. It is crowdfunding. But there's also a few crowdfunding companies, uh, Atlas Motor, Atlas, yeah, Atlas Motor being the, the main one, I think. Um, but then the Sono also did it. Uh, um, Lightyear, I guess, was also crowdfunding a little bit. Yeah. And, and now now Alpha Motor is the latest one. But Alpha Motor is the one that I, I put the, the biggest asterisk next to, the biggest, as the most red flag. So we, we first reported on them uh, because um, they, they, they had a good media push and a lot of media reported on it when they released those renders of this uh, this truck here, the Wolf, the electric Wolf pickup truck, because a lot look good. It, it does look very good, like some retro style to it, and but sleek modern features also. Um, giant oversized wheel, obviously that's uh, standard on all concept, uh, but <laughs> it looked pretty good. And the media just bought it up because they said uh, 275 miles of range at $36,000 price tag. So like, hey, this is uh, incredible. Uh, but then when we first reported on it, we, we, we had a lot of skepticism because I, I, I looked into their filings and uh, I, I couldn't find any serious team behind it. Uh, only people that had their name attached to the companies were like copywriters that were writing those press releases about them. <laughs> and uh, especially press releases about um, uh, from Neuro, you remember ne Neuron? Neuron EV that was also like look extremely shady. Um, mm. So now uh, the uh, that again why we're reporting on them now is because they, they launched a new crowdfunding effort that uh, we were asked about on the podcast last week. Uh, they're trying to raise up to five million dollars at a hundred and twenty-five million dollar valuation. So I went ahead and looked at the new filings for it and see what what they have for one hundred and twenty-five million dollars. Did they have anything more than we saw last time, which was basically nothing? And uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty close uh, to nothing. It's next to nothing, really, for $125 million. And they already raised uh, $700,000 from 30, uh, 299 uh, small investors. So um, sorry for those people. <laughs> but um, yeah. That's over $1,000 each. That's uh, close to $2,000 each yeah. average. It's crazy. Yeah. 
it's a decent amount of money. So looking at it now, they, they sort of clarified. Uh, so the, the last time, the only people that could see uh, in the filing was Kevin Lee. You couldn't see the actual like CEO of the company, but it, it was actually another guy that was listed at the, as the, the chairman of the, of the company that all the experience I could link to was like a barista in like car shows. Uh, not like wow. that's, that was the link to the auto industry, basically. But now they say that uh, Edward Lee is the CEO of the company and chairman and founder of the company. And he does have an automotive background as a, as a designer, though, as an exterior designer. So he has about uh, uh, close to two decades in the industry as a, as a car designer. That's it. Um, I couldn't find anyone in the company with any kind of engineering background. Uh, Kevin Lee in the filing is listed as the chief of research and development in charge of R&D at Alpha. So you would think, okay, that's the guy with the engineering background. And his profile on the crowdfunding effort is a bit shady because it mentioned he has over 17 years of experience leading the development process of vehicle from concept to production stage, which includes a successful Tesla Model 3. So that catch investor high. Oh, they have the guy that brought the Model 3 to market from development to from concept to production like that's how it sounds so i looked into this kevin the guy thinking all right he's gonna be like what like it won't may, I, I mean i know who the uh, model 3 program managers were from the entire history of them of the model 3 so i know it's not him but maybe he's like oh the guy under one of those program manager i don't know uh turns out he's a modeler <laughs> he, he does like cad modeling like the, the oh the, so like, he's the one who created the uh the uh, 125 million dollar design yeah well i mean not just the design like you can actually like basically build like those uh uh like pusher prototypes basically not an actual mm -hmm. like working prototype but the pusher prototype he's a he's a modeler he's a he's a designer like he graduated from the art center college of design just like the ceo uh edward lee so everyone is has more to do with design and engineering on anything i couldn't see anyone with actual engineering background uh, I know that they have an advisor like uh, Rodak, like that was uh, like the, the guy that opened up Tesla in Europe and everything. But um, he's an advisor; he's not working the companies directly. So, so best case scenario, this is kind of like a karma, Fisker kind of situation. Yeah. Where <laughs> I mean, best case scenario, yeah, best case, best case scenario. Like this, this, this is like. I don't want to say scam because like they might actually like think that they are they are going to deliver on this like they, they might they, I'm not I'm not saying that they but if they do think that they can deliver these trucks with these specs at these pricing are uh, they're completely delusional like this is like completely theoretical at this point it's just like all right we, the, 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 all the spec things are are just pie in the sky uh the designs are good like they I mean they should open up like a design firm and, and like try to work with other automakers or something like that. But uh, trying to raise $5 million for, for at $125 million valuation for those, for those renders. And I guess, I guess they have a pusher prototype that they showed at Peterson, but not a working one. It's not much. Uh, and then I, lo I look at the actual like financials of it and uh, they raised a million dollars from two people that are related to the CEO. Oh, that's the only money that they were able to get is like crowdfunding is generally like kind of a last resort type of thing. A lot it, of Lee's, Lee's involved here. A lot of what? Lee's. There's Ed Lee, Kevin Lee. Yeah, yeah, his yeah. His family. Yeah, there's a lot of Lee, Lee people. I don't know if they are related, all of them, because obviously Lee's a very common name in, in Asia, uh, especially in uh, Korea, I think. But yeah. 
they uh, only a million dollar they managed to raise from relative so it's like a seed funding basically and now they're trying to raise 5 million to crowdfunding not a good sign uh if they do raise the full 5 million that's uh between 9 and 13 months that they think they have money to operate so they will need to raise a lot more money again cuz bringing a vehicle to market generally is like half a billion dollars in spending that you need to put so Crowdfunding is just not, doesn't make sense for a full vehicle program like that. Um, a lot of the $125 million valuation seems to lean on the fact that they claim to have 52,000 pre-order indications. So that's a weird term to use, pre-order indication. Uh, I think that they are using that to be on the safe side because a lot of a lot of uh, EV startups have taken a lot of flack for like overstating their, their pre-orders, like calling things that are pre-orders that are not necessarily pre-orders. Well, and they still use the term pre-orders, but they, uh, they had indications behind it. But basically, all their pre-orders don't require any deposit. They're not binding anything. So they, it's the lowest form of a show of interest in the truck. Like, oh, the design looks cool. If you ever bring this to market, maybe I'll buy one. That's basically what people are saying. And I'm like, okay, you can count me in on that. Like, if you can bring it to market with those spec at that price point with that design, like, I'll buy one too. Like, but I'm not, it doesn't mean anything because I'm not putting any money on this. Uh, so, yeah, I would be extremely careful to everyone that are looking on that. So since you guys asked last time, we did some digging. There you have it. Still wish them the best of luck, though, obviously. Like if, yeah, and with, if companies it's not like, a scam. <laughs> with, with companies like Magna out there that can do 98% of the, the, you know, the building and these guys doing some design and being able to make a pusher, theoretically, it's possible that this could come to fruition. Uh, it just doesn't seem very likely or, no. you know, but then like the, the thing is like even Magna, I think they are finding out now that, uh, with Fisker, like the, the yeah. price point that Fisker promised people and everything. I think, I think the, there's some reckoning that's happening on that front. So same yeah. thing with that, like Magna can look at this as like, all right, we can build you this pickup truck with 275 miles of range at $36,000 though. Yeah. You want to sell it at $36,000 all the way, but we're going to sell it to you for 50. Uh, right. So uh, do what you want with that difference here. <laughs> like right. I just, I just don't don't see any any other way that this is gonna happen. Um, all right, Lucid, Lucid announced something weird this week. Uh, they're like, hey, we can give you a seventy five hundred dollar credit on the Air too. And <laughs> so obviously the Air is completely out of the uh, MSRP price range for the seventy five hundred dollar tax credit in the U.S. But uh, Lucid didn't want everyone to be left out, so they offered for a limited time. Uh, they say, we think our customers still deserve a $7,500 credit for choosing an EV. Lucid Air owners have told us how much they love this car, from the world-class driving experience to the elegant design and spacious interior. With this limited time offer, we hope to get Lucid Air into the hands of even more customers to, uh, so they can experience the best for themselves. Uh, so it applies to an Air Grand Touring or Touring, yeah, so the Air Grand Touring or the Touring version until March 31st, which is, again, when we expect some updated guidance on the tax credit. So basically, I assume that uh, Lucid is having some issues closing some of the reservation into orders because of the tax credit. Uh, not that, like, it's, again, completely out of uh, the pricing range. In terms of an MSRP, but even that, like a lot of people, a lot of people, even if they would be buying a car at that price, they just 
if they are eligible to the tax credit, they're going to want to go for a vehicle that is because they feel like they're going to be leaving money on the table otherwise. So that probably is where Lucid is having some issues here. Because again, I don't think it's a $100,000 sedan. I mean, technically there's a version of it that starts lower, but right now I think I don't think you can get one for less than $100,000. So hard to justify that. Yeah. All right, last piece of news before we jump into the comment section. Make sure to put your questions and, and um, subjects you want us to discuss uh, in the comment section right now. It's the Lexus RZ450e, the first electric Lexus coming to market. Uh, we have all the details now in terms of uh, the um, specs and pricing in the U.S., so eh, nothing too impressive in terms of uh, the specs because uh, it's basically a BZ, um, BZ4X. Uh, BZ4X. Yeah, BZ4X. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not a big fan of uh, Toyota's naming scheme. It's almost uh, like they don't want you to know about these things or yeah. to remember them. Almost. Oh, yeah, it's right there. So <laughs> BZ4X. Uh, so a, a little bit of a bigger motor, I think, on it, and that's that's about it. So a 71.4 kilowatt hour battery pack, up to 220 miles of range. Uh, yeah, 313 total horsepower, so uh, a little bit higher than uh, the BZ4X, but similar range, same battery pack, like very close other than uh, you get a little bit more luxury out of it with uh, Lexus, uh, Lexus interior and, and branding and whatnot. But now we get the price on it, and it starts basically at sixty thousand dollars with the luxury version, luxury model uh, at sixty five thousand dollars. So basically, dead in the water, in my opinion, unless you're like <laughs> a very like huge Lexus fan, and all you want to buy is a Lexus, and those people exist out there. Uh, but uh, to those people, I would show them something called a Model Y because I think uh, you get a lot more out for your money. And I know some people, they just don't like the Tesla interior and whatnot. But like we put in there, like the Model Y, you get the 330-mile version. So you get basically 100 more miles for the same price. Yeah, so, or you could get like a Mercedes EQB, which is uh, like 55000 starting price, third row, like uh, mm-hmm. better range. 220 miles is Do you get better bad. range though? Yeah. It's 240, I think, or something. Yeah. That yeah. EQB is actually pretty nice. I, I drove that around Germany a little bit. Drives really nice. Doesn't have acceleration, uh, you know, like a Tesla, but, um, you know, third row, Mercedes, 55,000, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not, there's no lack of other options than the right. Lexus RZ450E. Right. And other people are like, oh, you guys are always hammering on, on Toyota. And of course, Lexus it's is true. Toyota. But uh, <laughs> like tomorrow morning, they unveil like a nicely spec, nicely priced, high volume EV. And I'm back on board. I'm back on the Toyota train. Like, uh, but it's just, it's just the, they keep being down on all electric, battery electric vehicles. And the very little effort that we see from them is, Dumb things like that. So I will say the new Prius actually looks pretty cool. Yeah, um, and it's, a uh, it's got double the uh, electric only range, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, if you're gonna buy a Toyota Prius Prime, maybe yeah, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, if you know. if you're not ready to go completely electric, yeah, it's, it's, it's a decent option. All right, let's jump into the comments section. All right, uh, uh, comment commenter Dan. 
uh, Oberstay, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, is this Cybertruck photo, the driver's head looks close to the roof, indication that the photo isn't distorted as bad as you might think? Yeah, I mean, if it was distorted, I, I wouldn't say it was badly distorted. But uh, yeah, you're right. It looks like, yeah, it looks like the angle is fairly high. It's not from like, uh, like a driver's position. Mm -hmm. It looks like maybe the per person was actually outside their car and, and standing. Like, yeah. a, like a, maybe a six foot tall person standing, taking a picture. But that will distort a little bit the the height of it. Yeah, and the front end looks curved. We talked about that a little bit. Um, a little bit more curved than the other prototypes, but, but that might just be the angle as well. Uh, question, how much do you think Tesla is investing in retooling for the Cybertruck? Will they invest in that retooling gradually to ensure demand is as expected? What are your thoughts? Um, why retooling? Is, just, is it not just tooling if it's your first yeah. time you're building a production line? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess they're asking like how much Tesla is spending to build the production line. Uh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, we did have the total capital expenditure uh, for for the year, the guidance for the total expenditure. I'm, I'm not blinking for some reason. I want to say like seven or eight billions, something like that. Um, but that includes everything. So obviously Tesla is still investing in other things in Gigafactory, Texas that has nothing to do with Cybertruck. Same thing in Berlin, same thing in Shanghai to a degree, because the, the project is going to be maybe a little bit of a ramp up in Shanghai. And then the new factories in 2023, there's going to be a lot of spending on new factories too. Uh, so it's hard to tell how much it's going to be. But our understanding is Tesla is bringing down the cost of capital expenditure per car, per production capacity. So it might be not as crazy as uh, you might think for, for something like that. Um, but at the same time, there's some new technology in there too. So uh, could be, in, I don't know, half, yeah. half a they're billion, getting, a billion. They're getting better at making cars, which mm -hmm. is, you know, it's kind of scary. Mm -hmm. All right, Daniel DeYoung, uh, question. They have 1.5 million in deposits, but it's not a big commitment. I think they have more than that. They have I, th I think 1.5 million reservation deposits. with deposit with a hundred dollar right. deposit. Yeah, right. So 150 million in, in deposits, but it's not a big commitment. How damaging is it to Tesla if it turns out it's a dud? Would they make another truck still? I mean, what is a dud exactly? Like if, it, 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 everything right now points to an arm run to me, uh, at least like. I, for for everyone that says like oh the design looks ugly as hell and uh, oh I'm not gonna buy it like how many people are not gonna buy the truck because of the windshield wiper like, like what percentage of those 1.5 million people that put a deposit in was like that windshield wiper is a break deal breaker for me I don't know what it is but I would assume it's fewer than like five ten percent. Uh, so like like there's gonna be a lot of misstep that Tesla needs to make in order for to make this a dud. I think right now most things point to an arm run from Tesla. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm not as uh, optimistic. I still think the design is niche, even though they have 1.5 million reservations. Um, I don't know that it'll go mainstream, but I've been wrong about uh, Tesla going mainstream before. So. Uh, We'll see. All right, moving on. Dave Canada question. Will the new Cybertruck configuration details become available on Investor Day? If nice. not, then which month of 2023 will customers be able to configure Cybertruck orders? Yeah, I mean, uh, 
that's a good question. Uh, March might first of March might be a little bit early for for that. Uh, just historically for for, for Tesla. Um, if you look at like the Model Y rollout was the most recent one. Tesla has like just slowly open up configuration for for some people like uh, very slowly. Uh, even though it would make a ton of sense for them to just like release the details and just look at the demand, like people actually configuring things and like look at uh, the demand for the different version of it. Because I, well, from what we know so far, is looked like they already had that with the first unveiling. They knew exactly like uh, what percentage. I think most people were going for like the dual motor version. Uh, then after that was the tri motor version. I think the tri motor and the dual motor was actually were actually very close in popularity. And then the single motor was the least popular one. But as you get closer to production, I think it would make sense for people for Tesla to ask a little bit more money from people, like uh, to to put a thousand dollars instead of a hundred, like to put like nine hundred dollars more to confirm an order and to update the specs and the configurations, so that you get more serious people now. Like the one point five million is going to go down for sure, but uh, to, to to gauge the seriousness of people with different uh, configuration and that will help with production. I think so. The sooner the better, but just historically from Tesla, I think uh, we're more looking at maybe end of April, May, maybe even June. Yeah. Uh, and also that price sticker shock is going to be not 39000 Uh We'll see how much yeah. uh, they cost. Uh, Daniel DeYoung, I'm 7,000th in line for Cybertruck. I don't know if that's, you know, the, the number. I, I don't, I don't know even that. know how do you, you know that, Daniel. Yeah. Hoping for a gradual rollout, a few months maybe. Want to see reviews and make sure that there's not a rash of people throwing steel balls at the windows. Uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, you you mean like random people throwing balls at other people's car? Yeah. I don't think that's going to be happening. No. Uh, Ron King says they had Investor Day in 2018, 2019. No different. Well, better than what GM and Ford had in the last year. I don't know that they did. Did they have Investor that... Day? I was following Tesla pretty closely in those yeah. years. Yeah, I would have remembered. I think that. you're confusing them with the shareholders' annual meeting. Right. All right, uh, David W. I live in Minnesota, and electric vehicles are not being sold at any level. Point uh, three percent of vehicles. Well, yeah, it's certainly lower than California uh, everywhere. But the reason that we cover California so closely is because a) it's half of the U.S. market, and b) it's kind of ahead of the the curve. So just like your clothing, just like, you know, how houses look, things happen in California first and kind of work their way, happen on the coast first and work their way inland. So uh, that's uh, why we don't cover Minnesota as closely as California. Um, also, just such a smaller market. Maybe. Yeah, it's much smaller. Just in volume. Uh, so this is, I think, we were talking about this in the in the Slack room. Have you seen the article about Elon Musk meeting with White House aides to discuss climate goals? Do you think this could result in the expedited development of Tesla fast charging? And I, you know, I can't click on the link from here. But, yeah, I don't um, know if that's a new meeting because I think last week we reported on that too. Like they met, I think. I think yeah, it's from I was last thinking week. this is the Reuters report. Yeah, about, probably uh, is just a, a rewrite of the Reuters report from today. Reuters report from today was like, I think Reuters just stumbled upon this and they're like, oh, this is new to them because they don't follow this closely at all. And I've been very disappointed with Reuters' uh, coverage of Tesla in the last few years. I think it's come down it a lot. But yeah, I mean, we've been reporting on that for years that, yeah, Tesla needs to open the supercharger network. Not for years, but like for since the RRA, basically. 
that Tesla needs to open up the supercharger network in order to get the subsidies. And it looks like they're waiting for like a new guidance from the DOT in order to make that happen. All right. We have, uh, speaking of shareholder day, uh, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, a uh, genius uh, got up on or got on stage and said, I'm a genius. I'm, I'm level three you. genius, level three, level three genius. Uh, this guy, Joseph Kovacs, I don't know if you meant this seriously. I have solutions for Cybertruck Wiper and many more problems for Semi and Roadster. Please send to Elon or Franz. I, you right. know how many of those I get a week? Like I get like five, at least five of those a week. People sending me emails like thinking that I'm like oh, super close to Elon and, and, and Tesla. And like, oh, I have this new battery. I have this new whatever that's going to save Tesla. Like, please send it to Elon. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, Sly's here. Hey there. Hey. Uh, see you in Quebec next time. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, question. A lot of the volume will be sales in China of the $25,000 car. When is the CCP going to allow the Shanghai expansion as that small car will take other Chinese car sales? Is that really the problem right now? Is that really yeah. the CCP blocking that $25,000 car from Tesla? I don't think so. That's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, I don't think the CCP is the problem with that right now. I think Tesla just need to make it happen. All right. Uh, is Tesla giving up big competitive advantage with the imminent opening of the supercharger network? I have a CCS adapter and I would not get a non-Tesla EV based on the fast charging experience. It's a good question. I mean, Tesla may not open it. They they kind of seemed like they switched uh, direction for the North American market when they announced the North American <laughs> think uh, charging standard. Well, if, if they're trying to push the standard, why would they put CCS on their... I think they dipped their toes in it. I think they dipped their toes in like, let's see if we can make this happen, where if we can get people on board, uh, then it would be a, a, another solution to that requirement for, for the subsidies. Hmm. But if they, no one bit on it, other than maybe like Aptera, but uh, like, is it Aptera? <laughs> what, Aptera got me a lot confused because then they were like, okay, they were the first one to get on board. But then they said like, no DC on, on, the, on the car. There's going to be no DC charging. So like, like what, what? Then why? And then they, you... But then and they then changed after, back. But the fact but that they, they changed didn't back the, to CCS. But the fact that they did in the first place, let me think, let me think that they might not have like the greatest discussion with Tesla about it. Like maybe they right. thought like, Maybe maybe I ah, we will raise our hand first, and then Tesla will get on board with us, and then maybe that will help, like it's going to be a win win for us and Tesla. And then Tesla was like, ah, actually, we need an actual car manufacturer to get on board to actually get the the requirement checked off. I don't know what happened there, but the fact that they went back and forth with it, like let me think that Aptera might not be the best solution for that. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, I think they more like, they, they tried it. They were like, let's, let's give it a shot for fun <laughs> and uh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. But the only thing that Tesla's announced is that like other, uh, uh, charging station operators have adopted the standard, which I can understand. Like that would make like EV Google was already doing it. Like and that, right. that makes sense for an operator of charging station because they're, they're, goal is to get more EVs uh, using the network and there's no other brand that has more EVs than Tesla. So you might as well just use their connector. Uh, but on the other end, getting other automakers, that's what you need. You need to get other automakers to, to get that too. That's the hardest part for Tesla. And I, I just, I just don't see it happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much extra it would cost to have like a dual CCS 
Tesla because that I mean that would be the best of both worlds. But yeah. uh, it would cost more, and then eventually, you know, if everybody did that, then people would be like, "Well, why don't you just do that?" But but right now, it looks like the magic dock on the supercharger is the way that this is going to go, and right. that's how they're going to open up the network. And to 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 Daniel's question, that's going to remove a big competitive advantage. Uh, yes and no. Like we we like maybe maybe Tesla only needs to do like all right, we have a twenty supercharger station, twenty stall in the station, and we have like a few of those that has this and a few that doesn't have it. Or, or and and that's the other thing. Tesla also. As the they deploy the most connector per station than any other automaker, or, or sorry, any other charging station operator. Um, so I know that in some markets, especially in California, where there's a ton of Tesla, uh, and on certain travel days, it is still a problem. And then onboarding non-Tesla EV is going to be an even bigger problem. But for the most part, like I, I know here in Quebec, even though Tesla is pretty popular. I've never showed up to a charging uh, a Tesla supercharger that was full, um, and I would assume that Tesla is going to use that extra money for the government to just deploy more of them, more stalls per station. Right, and they can actually make a profit on uh, other vehicle manufacturers. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, and it kind of fits with their thing is pro- yeah. propelling uh, electric vehicles. Adoption. The mission, yeah, it's it's yeah, mission. Also, it's just it's just time that it's time that any EV owner should be able to go to any charging station, not think about it. Like it's it's that yeah. that that's obviously the future that we should be aiming for. Uh, we talked about Tesla Cybertruck timelines. Yeah. Um, Mike Parker looking at getting a Tesla Model Three as somebody, but as somebody who has grown up in northern climes, wondering why they only have rear wheel drive and or all wheel drive options. Have you guys covered this before? So he's, uh, I assume he's asking that you would prefer uh, front wheel drive in, in, the, in, in winter. Yeah, I think that's which I disagree I with actually. Yeah, I I also I disagree. have no problem think, with the I have the Model S. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the Tesla's really good at. Uh, are you am um, I lagging? Or are you lagging? Or maybe, yeah, I don't know, but. Uh, the electric vehicles in general are much better at not slipping when they're accelerating. Uh, so, and also, uh, you know, gas cars have the big block engine at the front usually, and that's why they put the front wheel drive there. So there would be more, you know, pressure on the front wheels. Um, but electric vehicles, most of the weight is in the middle, so it doesn't really make as much sense to do that. Uh, moving on. Yeah, and uh, if 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 slipping and and like traction in the winter is your big concern, then you're gonna want to go all wheel drive anyway. So, yeah, and winter tires make a bigger difference than anything else anyway. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Snack Stack says our local Walmart has Ford E Transit 120 mile per hour range. Yeah, I think each E Transit, depending on if it has a high hood or high roof or low roof or Sprinter configuration. It's a little bit different, but um, they all—they're all around a hundred, a little over a hundred miles. Um, and, but that's going to go up soon, I believe. Uh, Stefan Froker question: Skip the last name, save your tongue. Okay. <laughs> when will we see a Powerwall VTG system that handles three-phase, like here in mainland Europe? Uh, I that's mean, a good we've question. been talking. We've been talking about that for a while. I mean, Elon sort of hinted to it at one point with like a Powerwall 3.0 type of thing. Uh, but then it never came to market. 
So I, I don't know. I don't know if it's ever going to be something that Tesla, act, oh yeah, probably it will. Because I, I know that there's been some relaxing on, on the on that front from Tesla in the last few years. Like they said, like starting with a Cybertruck, every vehicle going forward will have vehicle to grid capacity. So it would make sense for Tesla to have a device that do it, like like you said, like a new Powerwall. Um, but we we no other indication than that than 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 Tesla. Kind of saying that, oh yes, from Cybertruck going forward is going to have vehicle to grid capability. But to what degree? Like we know that the the I mean, vehicle to grid the term is pretty straightforward. It's like your vehicle capacity, energy capacity to the grid. But people now are like uh, using like vehicle to everything and things like that. Like from like using just output of electricity, but not necessarily something that's aimed at powering a house. So we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. We're gonna have to wait and see. All right, uh, David Perrin, uh, my Tesla doesn't even have blind spot warning, and the cynical cheap workaround is a dangerous alternative. Auto wipers and headlight dipping are woeful unless an industry standard. Can't can't argue with that. Yep. Uh, my my wipers are horrible, uh, but there's a lot of good things. So, mm-hmm. uh, Dan, uh, two seater pickups are very po- unpopular these days. That's true. They yeah uh, they. They like the uh, minivan in the front and pickup in the back. Uh, Magnus seems like a very good way for startup EVs to get built. Uh, but how would the service and repairs work for a very small EV company? How is Fisker planning for that? That's well, plan- the Fisker, like I, I really don't understand people that are hyped about Fisker because as an investment, I, I mean, like if they if it does work, like great like we actually get the ocean and, and all that uh, at those price points i would be happy about it but fisker i mean they claim that they own like the interior like all the the ip of it and everything on, on the car that, that that's nice and they have the design capability and all that but they're outsourcing everything else so they're outsourcing the manufacturing of it to magna like you just said the repair and service it's another company uh forget the name uh, it's a big company, though. That, but I think they're more like they, they do like commercial uh, oh. fleet repair and service like that. Not really consumer. So I just like it's 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 a model that I guess is a little bit closer to like a dealership model. I I guess when we, and that's not something that we're really hyped about. Um, and obviously, I think there's a huge advantage of owning your own service repair. There's close loop. You cut the middleman. Uh, you, when you're under warranty, you're not, you're not going to screw yourself. Like dealerships screw manufacturer and vice versa sometimes. So if you can cut the middleman on that, then you, you can cut costs and obviously you can turn that to the consumer if you want, or you can just pocket that as gross margin. All right. We're getting close to the end here. Is Rivian finally in desperate shape now that Ford has bailed? Uh, Ford announced that it had divested yeah. most of its a Rivian stock. I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, that, it's yeah, not as big a deal, deal as big a deal as them being able to produce a car for the price. Well, we know that Ford was like bailing for a while now. Like they've been selling for a while, still on one percent of it, which is like something. Not nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we know they've been divesting for a while, and we know like they they dropped out a lot of their work project they were working together, if not all project they were working together. Like at, point, at one point, Rivian was supposed to help them build a pickup truck. Was supposed to build a pickup truck for them. Like there was like yeah, two Lincoln, different programs. They were going to build a Lincoln or something. Yeah, and that all went away. So it's I don't think that's the disparate shape part of uh, Rivian. Like Ford, I don't think they need Ford for anything. 
other than they, they need to cut costs. That's that's what they need to do right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's also interesting that the deal with Mercedes, Rivian doesn't seem to be good at coming through with, because Rivian had a thing with Mercedes for a little bit, and then they decided, no, we're not going to do that. So, I mean, they, they're just spreading themselves very thin with, uh, yeah. like, even like now the the e-bike thing, like, <laughs> Like, oh yeah, e-bike is obviously a lot easier than a pickup truck, but still, how about you yeah. make your main business sustainable right now? Because it's not sustainable, right. financially sustainable at this point. Yeah, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why they aren't they aren't talking about the e-bike right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stefan, back question: Is there any hold any hold in the rumor that Lexus RZ will come with Chatmo? I think never. Uh, yeah. You know, all of Toyota's. Uh, uh, fast charging, uh, you know, the RAV4 or whatever, or CCS. So I would say yeah. no, maybe in Japan where Chatamo is still big, but yeah. don't think so. Uh, would Tesla build anything more than a battery factor in Quebec, Ontario? Would they go as far as a whole full size gigafactory? What do you think? They certainly could. Like, they're going to need a lot of them, a lot of uh, vehicle assembly factories within the next, uh, by the end of the decade. So it, Quebec, Ontario could be a place for that. But yeah, battery factory, I think, would make the most sense at the moment, at least. Um, yeah, a battery factory, just because we have everything here uh, in Canada for all, all the supply chain is there already. We just need to start producing cells. I mean, and there's some, like there, I know, like there's an LFP place in just outside Montreal that's been bought out by another company. Mm. Uh, so there's some low volume stuff, but yeah, and we, we need it like giant company. I think LG would make the most sense since they're working with GM and GM is buying all the capacity yeah. uh, in Battery Valley. It would make sense for LG Altium, LG GM Altium to come and build the cells there. All right, a few more. Uh, Andrew McDonald question, will Tesla Investor Day hurt or help Tesla investors? Well, my, my two cents is that they're going to probably make a really good pitch of why mm-hmm. Tesla is going to be you know, the biggest, baddest company in the world in a few years. So I think they're going to make a good pitch for investors. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of these things nowadays, unless there's some clear announcement, and I think there could be some clear announcements, um, but maybe they're going to get burned before, like the, the the Mexico factory. I would think that the timing would make sense to announce that there. Uh, maybe something in Canada too. There, there could be some big announcement there that would make a big a difference. Like, uh, so that if you're talking about like hurting or helping investor, I think he's talking about the stock price. So those things could could help, but those things could also probably get leaked before. So it might be one of those situations that like buy the buy the uh, announcement, like sell the news. Uh, but for the most part, like you said, it's going to be a pitch on how Tesla is going to scale with those things and um that that all relies on the credibility of the people making that pitch like just how credible it is and i know that elon has lost a lot of credibility lately too so um yeah i don't think it's going to be that big of a deal other than if there are specific announcements that are only for that investor day but like i said i think the bigger announcement might get leaked or like we, we might get some inkling of it beforehand and that will that will boost the price before the the day itself, the investor day itself. All right. Uh, one of a few more left question, the new standard range model Y with the new 4680 batteries. Do you think they are software locked on range and will unlock more range after they are proven? Maybe a little bit like in terms of like just efficiency, but not software lock in the sense that Tesla is 
like limiting a lot of capacity and uh, for 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 like uh, like pricing reasons or anything like that like they used to in the past. Yeah. Uh, it, it's more like uh, they they are being careful and they might unlock some capacity in the future. It's more like that. Uh, I agree, and that, that's a guess because the forty six eighty are new cells, and uh, so it might be just for like safety reasons or whatever. But it's not like oh, it's actually like a eighty kilowatt hour pack, and they're limiting it to sixty. I don't think it's that. All right, uh, two more comments. Not sure if you're seeing this over there, but in Ireland, Nissan Marketing is doing a Toyota on EVs, so it is now uh, officially called a Toyota. New Nissan Quash Quai E Power delivers unplugged EV like driving solution for eco minded drivers. So those are the Nissans that uh, are electric motor powered but they don't have batteries. They're just basically, they're just big generators. Mm -hmm. So the gas engine just generates electricity to drive the electric wheels, which seems crazy to me, but uh, that's something that they're Mm. doing, I guess. Yeah. And then uh, Sylvian uh, GM has broken ground in Beckencore for the, their anode factory. Oh yeah, is that is that GM GM though? I think uh, yeah, I know I don't remember which one it is. Is it uh, Posco? I think or something like that. I don't think it's officially GM though. But yeah, the GM has bought the capacity already. I think that's more. So Optimus can serve drinks on Investor Day. Uh, <laughs> that would that yeah, we haven't like heard a lot with. about Optimus and since the unveiling that was kind of uh, nothing yeah. too great. Like uh yeah i mean if if the if that thing is walking now the the actual like real prototype like not the first one that they brought that was like bad looking if it would make sense probably to to have it do a little bit of a show because because yeah. last time it felt too early for it what all was right. the last one all, all uh, the questions yeah. cheers from the netherlands to the royal all right, well, that's it for us this week, everyone. I appreciate every single one of you watching right now. If you do enjoy the show, please drop us a quick like and a subscribe. Um, that helps a lot. If you're listening on your podcast app, if you can stop by your Apple uh, podcast app and, and uh, give us a five-star review, that helps tremendously. Same thing for Spotify, wherever you're watching right now. That helps the show a ton, and we appreciate every single one of them. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. I'll be in Mexico, though. Hey, hey. bye-bye.